Welcome to the Stanley Street Social Podcast, presented by MAP. If you haven't already, make sure you check out their full range at map.cc. And Josh Duggan, he does a bit of writing for us. He's the man behind the tour takes. He's been doing some good work on the MAP blog. So you can check that out at map.cc and under the blog tab. My name is Alex Clemens, and I'm here with Campbell Flakemore for the intro before before, uh, Jack Haig joins us. Well joined us previously uh we wrapped up his year talked about uh where he's at how he's been going he married was man. married married post the interview talked about his uh progression out of i guess he was a pretty he was a very stable gc kind of rider but after his one day performances this year he's just turned the ship a little bit maybe to fit to fit his, to fit into that Mitchelton scott Climbing hierarchy that they've established. Bit of an update first, though, Cambo. Week eight of your Sufferfest training, the online training software, which you've been crunching out for the last eight weeks now. Well, yeah, this is week eight. Another tricky week, week eight. We talked about week you seven. Start, you start every week with a tricky week. but Well, no, I do say that, but really, if you look at the data, last week, week seven, and this week, week eight, have been the real grippy weeks. You know how when you get Put the cherry on top. You know how when you get fitter, though, you kind of... It's easier in a sense to... A little bit, yeah. yeah. No, I do get that. that. The sessions are definitely harder, but I'm getting through them a little bit easier just be- because I am fitter. Sessions were the shovel, the omnium, <laughs> and angels. So a, a nice balanced kind of week. The um, the angels was a, a climbing uh, session, so it was, wasn't too tricky. The omnium was... The omnium, so it was... Uh, a variety of everything. I think there was some team pursuit. There was some who's sprints. In your, who's in your squad? Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember. But they were all, uh, I think it was the a London World Cup or London um, World Championships. So that was all footage from the track, which was a nice nice mix-up. Not quite as good as the road. But the main session of the week was the shovel. It was bloody hard. It was an hour <laughs> and 15 minutes. And it worked everything. Uh, two blocks, I think, of 18 minutes of work. Uh, the first was kind of like a, like an N, an N shaped, so the power started off lowish, but for longer durations. And at the top of the, the N was maximum power, and then you come back down the other side, so it was like mirrored. And then the other, eighteen minute block was U shaped, so starting high power, working down to, longer, longer block, and then finishing again with, with kind of just full, full sprinting. So, and you're just locked in on the Wahoo kicker, just with some visuals up. Yep, got the visuals up, got my own music playing. I, I, I choose to Can you it. opt for the commentary? There's no commentary, so the, the videos have their own music over the top of the footage. Mm. I opt for my own music uh, and a lesser 2013 set. What what, what what is your go-to these days? Still, those 2013 sets, Alesso, Avicii. It doesn't, get, it doesn't get much better. From, yeah, 2012 to 2014 was the sweet spot, I think. Mm. So, yeah, another week in the books. And, um, yeah, looking forward to the 4DP test in a couple of weeks, Alex. Thanks, Cambo. I uh, hope you enjoy the podcast with Jack. If you do want to support us, a share, a like, a follow on the socials, tell a friend. That would be much appreciated. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the podcast again. Second time online. Maybe one, di- one year if you ever come back or we'll get over there and we'll actually do this face-to-face. But how, how are things? Oh, thanks for having me on the podcast again. Things 
things are good. Off-season has started. I'm currently sitting outside on my terrace in Andorra, and it's a beautiful blue sky day. A little bit fresh, but it's lovely. Is Andorra home now or Girona home? No, Andorra. I have no apartment in... in I haven't had a place in Girona for two and a half years now, almost. I've solely lived in Andorra. And we normally go to Girona uh, around Christmas time because my girlfriend's family's from there. So, and also we do Christmas there and it gets starts to get a bit cold in Andorra for training. So go down there maybe two weeks in December and then two weeks in January. But otherwise, the rest of the year is always Andorra. What, what does your off-season look like? I guess uh, contrary to here, there's all this racing in January. You've got a big break. What does yeah. Yeah, your off-season look like? That's one of the things I actually really enjoy about staying in Europe for the off-season is there's no rush to come back. And the last couple of years, I've actually gone skiing on the day that the Australian Nationals are. And I've, I guess I've kind of made a bit of a routine and like I sort of reflect a little bit and be like, it's nice not to go back and have to be racing on January, whatever the date is that Nationals is. And you can take it a bit slower. And I think for my style of rider as well, those races in January, February in Australia don't really suit me. And I'm way better off going, oh, getting into close to peak shape in the later months, like March, April, May, instead of really pushing for that January, February. And then it makes the March, April, May period pretty hard. Do you think it's better for you? Like now, because you you've done a little bit of both. You did um, a couple under twenty three seasons, and then now you're doing a full Euro season. Do you think it's better for your performance? Do you think you come into the guts of the year, into the main body of the season, in better condition? Yeah, for sure. I think also the fact that you have a summer and winter cycle as well in in like just your body is good. I think. Like humans evolved over so many years of having seasons in their life. And then as Australians, we travel and we only have summers. And the, the human body sort of evolved to rest and recover and be slower in the winter periods. Like when you look back through history, that was when people like you sort of had semi-hibernation or like you rested because there wasn't as much daylight and it was a bit colder. So you didn't go out and do as much activity outside. So your body's really recovering. Whereas you go back to summer all the time and there's daylight for way more hours. There's always activities to do. There's always people doing things. And I really think the body doesn't have that period to sort of shut down and absorb the stress that we put on it throughout the season. And then that helps later on in the season as well. So how long do you have off the bike? Uh, it varies. So one season I took, I guess it must have been either last season or the season before. I actually had, it must have been two seasons ago or something like this. I had ended up having a real long time off the bike. It was, I took maybe like four weeks off. or No, nah, it was maybe five weeks off. And then I started real slow. I did only maybe two weeks training. And then I got sick around Christmas time and I ended up taking another complete week off. So I basically started from ground zero around January 1st. And then in February, when we went to training camp, I was creeping. But then I slowly <laughs> built up and, and got to uh, where I needed to be. 
but uh, I was pretty worried. And like January training camp, I was like, oh, maybe I screwed up here and it took a little bit too long off. But normally it depends on where I finish my season. So the last two years I've finished either in Japan Cup or uh, Tura Guanchi, which then means you can have, or you kind of have to have a slightly shorter off season just because you finish later. Whereas this year I finished in Lombardia. So that was my last bike ride was last Saturday. And then I probably won't touch the road bike until maybe November 18. So how many days is that? That's one, two, three, four, five, five weeks. Mm. And then I'll, I might, on that fourth week, I might start riding the mountain bike a little bit or if we've had snow in Andorra, I'll go skiing. And now, like, I'll go running a little bit and just try and keep a little bit active and not do nothing and just put 10 kilo on and get fat. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'll try and do something because it does make it easier when you come back on the bike. I have done the do nothing and get real fat and then it makes it real hard to get going again. Hmm. So, reflecting on this year, yeah, what's I guess start of what is there a highlight? Something that comes to mind? Uh, I would probably have two. One was uh, fourth on GC at Paris Nice. That was a really nice result, and it gave me a lot of confidence that I was making the progression through cycling sort of into the upper level of sort of those GC riders, getting that result in that kind of big race meant a lot. And then the next one was probably doing my first tour to France. I had pretty she legs in the tour, so I didn't get to perform as I would like, but just the whole experience of doing the tour, I actually really, really enjoyed. Did it live up to what you expected? The tour? Yeah, the tour. Uh, no, I reckon it gets a little bit overhyped, like a lot of things. Like everyone tells you how big <laughs> it is and how, how awesome it is. It is. It is all those things, but it does get a little bit overhyped. It is a cool experience and it's definitely bigger than any other bike race that we do in the year, but it's still bike racing. Yeah. Is there a low light for the year? Something, something the worst moment that comes to mind? Uh, I had a pretty grim time when I hurt my knee. So... After that Paris Nice result, I took a week off the bike as planned. And then I went to Sierra Nevada to start building up to the Giro because that was meant to be my goal for the year. And then about halfway through the two weeks I spent at uh, Sierra Nevada, I started to get a bit of a knee, like a knee niggle. And then I came back to Andorra and tried to continue training. And then my knee just blew up and I had to take about three weeks off the bike there. And that was annoying because it wasn't like... A broken collarbone or a broken wrist injury. It was like every single day, oh, I try a little bit and see what happens. And then if it hurts and stop and then go back and see the doctor and then do this and then wait. And there was always this unknown. It wasn't like, oh, you have three weeks in the cast and after that you can start training again. It was like, oh, every day, maybe you can come to the Giro. Oh, maybe you're going to Liège or it was a bit of a shitty time. But that that's all sorted now? Yeah. So basically no one really knew what happened to my knee. I saw a bunch of different specialists, but basically I took three weeks off the bike, did um, a lot of gym work 
and then started training again. It was a little bit sore, and then after a while, it just went away. And then it's been fine ever since. Well, that's a winner. Did you did you have did you have a did you have a clear goal coming into this year? Yeah, I had a couple. So I wanted to get uh, uh, another win. I didn't manage to achieve that, which is a little annoying. But I wanted to also get top ten in a world tour GC race, like a week long, like one of the big Paris Nice, Catalonia, something like this. So I managed to mm-hmm. achieve that with the fourth in. Um, Paris Nice, and then it was also to get uh, a top ten in uh, either like Liège or uh, Lombardia, like a really big one-day race, or maybe like one of the Canadian races or something like this. Like try and actually do well there, and then finishing the season with uh, sixth in Lombardia, I managed to achieve that as well. So I'm getting there. I'm making steps. I guess um, I I always and I think Campbell did too. Always thought of you as a, a calculated big stage gc rider just solid in the mountains um good time trollist good all-round uh athlete that kind of fits that gc caper but then i guess something we've talked about since your result at Bretan, um which is traditionally hard man territory one day race um, and then you continue, continue that form on, as you said, into the Italian races. Was that an emergence of a slightly different style rider or is that, was that, was that always there? Was that always the plan? I always really enjoyed, uh, like the hard one day racing. Like, uh, I was actually a little bit disappointed that with my knee injury this year, I missed out on the Ardennes classics and it's, those races is, is somewhere that I'd really like to go back to and try and do well in like a Liège or a Flesh. Like uh, last year, I got caught. I was away. It was me and Schachmann, the German, and we got caught uh, like 300 or 400 meters to go on the Mer the last time for Flesh Wine. So we would have been battling for first and we got caught just there at the Peloton. And also last year, I was 14th at Liège, uh, helping uh, Roman Kreuziger there. So I sort of always had a little bit there, but also this year I really enjoyed doing sort of the one-day program after the tour. And I had two options. I was either going to go to the Welter or I was going to do these one-day programs. And it's a type of racing that I enjoy because you have to be a little bit tactical. And when it's those really long races and hard races like the Breton Classic or like the Canadian one-day races where you're just doing lap after lap and it's just that fatiguing and you have to think about everything throughout the race and drive at the final lap or the decisive moment with good legs. So I enjoy it, but I also will probably always struggle to get a... to win one of those races just because I don't have that sprint to finish it off. Like for me to win one of these one-day races, I really need to arrive solo or... With a really shit sprinter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess a good example of that was uh, the one where you ran third to Valverde yeah. and Sonny Crocodile. Yeah. It's like, what do you? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's too elite. Like, what are you meant to do? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's probably not very often I'm going to be on a podium with Sonny Cabrelli when he's contesting a bunch yeah. of sprints at the tour. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you have a have a learning that stood out for this year? 
well, I guess it probably comes back to the knee injury as well. That was that was almost the first injury I've had in cycling, just about. Like, I never really had anything touch wood that has kept me off the bike that much. So that whole process was mentally pretty hard and a bit of a learning experience there of like how to sort of take a step back and try and then come back from that mid-season. Is there, is there a point in the year, I guess, from a team perspective, something like, yes, that was awesome? The whole experience of the tour, we had really good morale in the team. Um, we were being successful as well. Like, I mean, we won four or five stages there. We didn't get the result that we were going or that we were hoping to get with GC with uh, Adam, but we got success in other areas. And I actually... I just enjoyed the whole experience of being with the team. The staff was really good. The atmosphere was really good. And being in the biggest bike race in the world is pretty cool. Have you, have you looked forward yet? Yeah. So th- this team uh, at Mitchelson, we do it a little bit different than some of the other teams. We actually do our like pre-season training camp that most teams do in December during these one-day classics. So... Uh, the new riders that we signed to the team, they come to uh, Varese in Italy where the team has the service course and they spend two or three days with us there. We do some bike fitting. They get to try on all the new kit and then we also go through the race programs for next year. So I probably can't tell too much about the race program for next year because the team likes to use that as media releases. But we have started to put into place... uh, a bit of a plan for the first half of the season next year. And you do, I, of course, you're, you're always looking forward as a professional athlete. I think if you're not looking forward, then you're not really a professional athlete. Like I think everyone's driven to try and improve. So you're always looking forward, but I also like to take this period to just chill a little bit and not think so much about cycling. How, how does that work with planning next year for you as a rider and your relationship with the team? So every single year it evolves a little bit more and I take on a little bit more responsibility in the races just as I evolve as a rider. And uh, this year was actually quite a big change of race program to what I'd normally had done in the past. Normally I'd started always around Vuelta Catalunya. Um, but this year I actually started in uh, Vuelta Valencia, which is the first weekend of February, I think, compared to the first weekend in March where Catalonia is. So that was a bit of a change and I changed the way that I trained during the winter because of that. And then next year will probably be the same. I'll probably end up starting uh, relatively early as well in Europe. So I'll use a bit of this winter's and pre-season's template for next year. Do you sit down with the management, with the DS, with the... Like, who, who's making these calls? So... We we each have like a personal rider meeting and they review the season and then they preview the next season. And then when we did that, it's normally uh, everyone in the team is coached by one of the coaches that works for the team. So my coach sits there. Uh, Matthew White, the head sports director, he's also sitting there in the meeting. And then there's normally one or two other sports directors sitting in the meeting as well. And that's sort of where you sit down, you go through the goals you set at the beginning of the current season and then you go on to your race program for next season and sort of the goals towards that. Can you share what you want to do next year? What, 
what's the goal? Uh, I I don't think so. <laughs> I, th- I think I'd get a bit of a belting from the from, from the media lady <laughs> if I did that because they get a bit funny about it. It's, it's, is it classics focused or is it grand tour focused? It it'll be similar to my goals for this year. It'll be similar. I'll have a pretty similar race program. But obviously, one thing that does change next year is there's the Olympics. So Olympics is a completely different race like world championships are because you race for the your nation and the trade team doesn't talk so much about it but it's obviously a big factor next year and it's something that i'd really like to go to so that does change a little bit of which decision you make to prepare for that race because you can either do the giro and then tour of poland got moved in the calendar to the first week of the tour de france or you can do the Tour de France, and then you only have a really short turnaround before the road race in uh, Tokyo. Mm, I think it was like eight days or something. Uh, I think it's even less. So, like, the the Tour finishes on Sunday, and then I think the Olympic road race is the next Saturday. And you got to get to Tokyo. Exactly. Exactly. And change time zones and all that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, so, that's an interesting play, isn't it? Yeah, there's two sort of thoughts here that people go well if you do the tour you basically have zero time to think about how you're preparing for the olympics you just get on that flight either there's a flight from paris sunday night directly after the Champs elysees stage or you have to then get a flight monday morning and you basically just arrive in tokyo and do nothing other than just rest until the road race and you race or you do the giro poland and then you have two weeks from poland to or two and a half weeks from poland to be able to go to tokyo adapt to the uh, weather, the time zone, and also preview the course. Yeah, tricky, tricky. Yeah. So you could you could potentially see an uh, interesting field that arrive at the tour because there might be some guys that choose not to do the tour, like some big GC guys because the, the uh, road race will suit a GC climber-style rider. Do you, Will we get to see you in the spring classics? Yeah. After yeah. This, so, this, one day, this one day form. Yeah, so that was one of the the things that I spoke about um, in the meeting. That and like we just spoke about before, I really like to go back to those races and try and do well. So, where do you see yourself now? And like in the grand scheme of things, in Jack Haig's career, where like where are we at? Well, I, I uh, how many seasons have I done as a pro? Um, I guess next year is maybe my fifth season as a Three, pro. So I'm four. Yeah, I reckon I've done four and next year's my fifth. So I'm sort of starting to get on now. I'm starting to get go I'm definitely not that young right. I'm definitely not a young rider anymore. So mm. we we're starting to get into the meat and potatoes of the career, I guess. I'm twenty six yeah. now. Um I need to start pulling out some decent results, I guess. <laughs> and start taking on some more responsibilities. Is that the next step? asking the team for more responsibility? Yeah, being a bit yeah. more specific, you know, I want to win this race. Yeah, yeah. So that that's sort of the goal going to next year is to try and take on that responsibility and have a little bit of that pressure of going to races as the leader. Because it's different. Like if you're going, like it's different. Yeah. Yeah, so it's completely different. You yeah. um, I guess I guess also from a, a men- mentality point of view, have you have you had that yet this year? A little bit like in Lombardia, I went into that race as a co-leader with Adam. Um, and then 
I didn't go into Paris Nice as a leader, but the role quickly changed throughout that race. But no, not not a whole lot to be honest. Have you thought about what what your career does look like? Have you thought about what I guess where does what does Jack Haig want to be remembered for? Um, a little bit. Uh, I would really like to win at some point in my career, uh, like one of these big week long world tour stage races. I think it's in the realm of realistic goal. And then maybe I think another realistic goal would be to top five in a grand tour. I'm not sure which one, but one of them. I think that's a achievable goal. Have you got attached at all to any of them? Like I keep saying, I enjoyed the experience of the tour. Um, the mm. Giro, I also really enjoyed. And it's, I always enjoy racing Italy. It's always a little bit special and there's always a nice feel about it. And there's always a lot of drama and everything like that. Um, and so I'd, I'd prefer to have one of those, either the Giro or the Tour. The Welter is, doesn't suit me as well because the climbs are a bit shorter and a bit steeper and a bit punchier, whereas in the Tour and the Giro, it's more of a grind. And life off the bike. Yeah. Have you, have you picked up anything in that, in that sense? Um. Well, I own a cafe restaurant in uh, Andorra, so that keeps me and my girlfriend pretty busy. She manages most of it, mm. but it's nice to have a bit of a side hustle there and keep the mind on something else. How long have you had that for? Uh, maybe four or five months now. Yeah, okay. So we've got that. Did you buy yeah, it or right. did you make it? No, so we bought it. So uh, Lee Howard, um, mm-hmm. who was an yeah ex pro rider and now races on the track, and I think he part of the world record teams pursuit team. He was leaving Andorra to move back to Australia, and he'd set up and ran a cafe in um, Andorra. And when he was leaving, the opportunity came up to purchase that off him. Um, but when we purchased it off him, we changed the name, we changed a lot of the interior, so it became a new cafe, but it was already a functioning cafe before that. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, all the best for your off-season, Jack. Enjoy the snow. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And we look look forward to seeing you uh, crunch some one day next year. That would be great. I would... uh... I'd love to do that and uh, you need to get me back on the podcast and we can have a maybe another wrap-up start next year. But it would be good if you actually came to Australia so we could do your kind of full story. <laughs> that would be cool. Um, so if you can organise that, that would be great. Well, well, I think uh, my girlfriend always puts all the pressure on me to come to Australia. She she always says that... Um, Has she, she been? Find... No, that's what... She always says she's meant to find the one Australian and never wants to go back to Australia. Yeah. <laughs> she, oh, we'll see next like, summer then. She's like, God damn, like, I have an Australian boyfriend and it was a dream of mine as a kid to go to Australia and you never want to go. Like, what, <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> do, you, do, you, uh, do you see yourself coming back long term? I, I really don't know, to be honest. Mm. Um, I think I would need – it's been so long that I've kind of a little bit forgotten what Australia is like. So 
I think I would need to go back for a decent period of time, maybe one off season and preseason, stay there and figure out whether that's where I'd want to do the next part of my life after cycling or whether I would continue to be maybe in Europe. Yeah, because it sounds sounds the things that uh, you've got your season pretty dialed in, and it's oh, well from the last three years, um, there's proof that it is working. Yeah, and now I call Europe and Andorra it's home. Like I don't really have mm. anything in Oz now, and yeah, it's a bit strange. And I'm I'm in sort of two minds as to where I'd see myself after I'd finished cycling, whether I see myself staying in Europe or whether, yeah, it's moving back to Australia. Fantastic. All right. Thanks, Jack. No worries. Thanks, mate. We'll, uh, we'll We'll keep in touch. Sounds good.